everybody. Welcome to a Friday edition of Spits and Suds on 105.3 The Fan. I'm Gavin Spittle, joined by my buddy from EP Ringside, D Magazine, Shap Shots, and more. He's our NHL guru. He's Sean Shapiro heading into the weekend. How are you, my friend? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. It's a Friday. Can't complain. And yeah. uh, no, it's, it was, it was, a. Uh, it's, it's been, it's been a good week. So uh, yeah, things are, uh, things are going well here. Okay. Stars fans trap game tonight, trap game tonight, trap game tonight. I know we're all looking forward to Colorado, but I give you the Arizona coyotes at home with a 2012 and four record. Sean Shapiro, <laughs> they got to get up for this game tonight too. Yeah, I uh, I think it. Looking purely at the nature of the next opponent, I think it's uh, it feels like a trap game. But I do also think there's a. I think the schedule does set up well enough where when you don't when you go from playing Tuesday to like if, if this had if if this had been with two days between games. I feel like it's hard for a game to get lost. So I think maybe that's a little bit of a, I think that's a beneficial part of the schedule on this one, where if this was a Tuesday, Thursday, and the back-to-back was Thursday, Friday, I'd be a little bit more worried about trap game. But I, I do think the schedule at least, and maybe that's just the optimist in me, I do think the schedule at least plays a little bit better for this not to be, to feel like a trap game. And I also think, you have to use if you're the stars i know people say oh we focus on what's going on ourselves and everything like that back the minnesota wild have won three in a row you're not necessarily always looking at the opponent just on the other side of the ice you got to keep pace with them so yeah definitely everything you said is 100 percent correct and i'm just trying to play the optimist here where hopefully uh you avoid that uh you avoid that 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 happening with with arizona tonight because yeah. it is a team where it, it, it's it's got a uh the them playing in mullet arena which is holds the five on on the campus of arizona state holds five thousand people um i had one player earlier this season describe it to me where it's kind of similar to um it feels kind of similar to playing in florida where where florida for a different florida has a the building is the Panthers, they don't really have great attendance um, and the building's kind of hollow and empty and everything, but the Panthers have always been good at home. And someone, and one, this player kind of described it to me as uh, the, uh, the fact of the matter, the fact of the matter in Florida, the Panthers players are used to playing with that environment all the time. And I do. And he said, and this player brought up that he felt there's a bit of a similar vibe to for the Arizona players where it's a unique building. It's, it's a different spot where so many NHL buildings just feel the same. And that when you go into one that feels different, all of a sudden it can be, it can have that little bit of that edge. So I think that may be something to do with, with, with the coyotes. Obviously they're very good at home. They're terrible on the road. Uh, it's uh you got to win this one, though. If you're Dallas, you right? You definitely like, have to win this. You, you have to win this one. There, that's it's 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 a it's there's no there's no excuse. So when we think of Arizona, we think of a team that is in the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. But one thing that's lost in the shuffle that we've mentioned here on Spits and Suds is 
the season that Clayton Keller's having. And that's a player to watch. 24 years old, 36 goals, 13-point win streak right now. That's the longest point streak since Dale Howardchuck. That's how long, who had an 18-game point streak. That's the uh, record for the organization. So he's kind of lost in the shuffle, but uh, he's having quite the year this year for the Yotes. I mean, he's having the he's having the equivalent of the he's having the he's the obviously Eric Carlson is the golden example of outstanding year on a really bad team. Uh, Clayton Keller is the second on that team. I mean, he's got eighty one point. I mean, eighty one points in seventy five games is, is 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 a remarkable fact in itself. But the fact of the matter is, he has. I'm doing quick math here, so everyone bear with me. The fact he has 27 more points than the next highest player in Arizona. And there's only two other. And and the fact that there's that big of a gap between him and the next highest point producer and Nick Schmaltz, it's, uh, it is, it's definitely, it's a great underrated season because of what's getting lost there. And it's one of those things where when you see a guy playing like that, I, I really hope for his sake that things that, that things flip that 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 he gets to see the turnaround in this at some point because sometimes when you see those guys yeah. who put in the, the work like this when the team is so bad and then they never see the payday at the end you feel that bad so someday I hope Clayton Keller gets to see success in Arizona because he's got the extension there signed and all of that stuff and he's playing like a great player uh it's uh, and with what he's doing on that team, just imagine what he could be doing on a better team with some real, some real talent around him. Yeah, no, absolutely. And for those that say, well, it's just the Coyotes. I mean, the organization functionally has not been the best. Um, but you look, they picked up Connor Geeky with the 11th pick uh, last year. He's having a really good year for the Winnipeg Ice. He's 18 years old and. You know, he looks like a top prospect. And if they get Bedard, and it was interesting, Sean, I was thinking the other night as the Stars were playing that ugly game in Chicago against the Hawks, as they're in the Bedard sweepstakes as well, I'm like, wow. I was like, we could have Connor Bedard in the Central. I have mixed emotions about that. It's great to see. It's kind of like when Connor McDavid comes to town. And if Bedard is all that that everyone says he is and what appears to be, is that a good thing or bad thing that he's in your division? I mean, I, I think it's as the hockey fan, I, I think for our role as a hockey fan, you want that in your division. You want to see the best players every night as, as much as possible. You want to like, it's a shame. It's a shame that people in Dallas only get to see Sidney Crosby once a year. Like it's just, it's the fact of the matter. It's just how the schedule works. You only get to see, like you want to see if you're a hockey fan, you want to see the best players as much as possible. And uh, now if you're a looking at it selfishly for how do we win more games and you're probably hoping he ends up in Columbus or, uh, or somewhere somewhere out east, and then so you only so then you don't have to worry about him being a really a factor until uh, other than other than two days a year. So, um, for I I look at it 
and we've talked about Bedard. If I if I'm trying to take away any like space where I, I'd like to see him go, and I've mentioned this before, I think I've mentioned this before on the podcast. I'd like to actually see him end up in Columbus just from the perspective where as much as, well, some teams have tanked pretty blatantly. I feel like Columbus is actually in this position legitimately, but has at the same time tried to make swings. So like, I would love to see Columbus when it got Johnny Goudreau, they signed line to the extension this year, just fell off the rails with all the injuries. Like, Columbus to me is one where I'd like to see him go there because I feel like that creates a really damn exciting team. But from a stars fan perspective, like you want to see if, if, especially if you're going to a lot of games, you want to see the best players as often as possible. Hockey's better when you get to see the best players. And this kid is, I watched some video on him earlier this week. He's, he's just fun, man. He's yeah. so fun to watch. That's great. Like, so many young stars in the NHL right now and so many young stars coming up and just the skill set is just tremendous. So uh, really excited about the future of uh, of this league. We did get some news that Scott Wedgwood is being loaned to the AHL's Texas Stars. So my assumption is that the Stars uh, play a back-to-back this weekend at Cedar Park. So he will either play tonight or tomorrow night. Uh, so it's interesting because the Texas stars are in a pretty tight race in the AHL, um, as far as playoff seating. So kind of Wedgwood, um, you know, I said this the other day, it's not, it's not the NHL, but a heightened AHL as far as playoff type atmosphere is, uh, never a bad thing when you want to get back in the action. Yeah, we we do know Scott Wedgwood is going to start on Friday. Okay, he's going to start tonight. We know that for sure. Um, Stephen Missouri down on Hundred Degree Hockey, who does a great job with Texas Stars coverage, is uh, he uh, reported that yesterday that Wedgwood will be starting on the conditioning stint. Um, it's uh, it's a good environment for obviously it's it's I know it's 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 a very good environment for. Wedgwood to go down and play. Um, Texas is going to be, I think they'll technically, I think they need one more point to technically clinch a playoff spot, but them in Milwaukee are yep. in a tight race for number one in the central. Um, and uh, those are, the, that's a, it's, it's a good spot for Wedgwood. Um, I would imagine with. Uh, it's we, I don't, and we don't have the full goaltending plan for Dallas yet, but I do wonder just because since they're in place since Tuesday and um, obviously they may make a decision based off how things look for um, on how things look and how, on how he looks on the, uh, on how Wedgwood looks tonight and everything like that. But honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Jake Ottinger both games of the back-to-back. Like it's, I know he's a, Seeing him play, it wouldn't be it would would it, it wouldn't really be that, that stunning, especially if Wedgwood looks good tonight. To see Ottinger play both game play tonight against Arizona, tomorrow against Colorado, and then Wedgwood gets the start against Nashville on Monday. Like I wouldn't in, in the NH in the NHL, so I wouldn't be surprised if we see both Ottinger both games because honestly, I would do it because I think you didn't play him since Tuesday. He hasn't played since. Tuesday. Um, if you have Wedgwood ready for Monday, he would have two. He would have four days to rec- four days to recover before the a Thursday game against Philly. Um, 
I don't know. I think tonight's the night that you, I think this is the weekend you give Jake both games the back to back because of the schedule around it. It's Spits and Suds. I'm Gavin Spittle, 105.3 The Fan. He's Sean Shapiro of EP Ringside, Shap Shots, D Magazine, and more. So uh, some prospect news uh, for the uh, stars. Uh, We can uh, go from there. Uh, They had a signing. And then Logan Stankoven we've all talked about, but his teammate is getting some attention as he was a later round draft pick for the stars. Yeah, who Dallas signed to the entry-level deal this week, Matthew Semenov, and uh, he definitely an interesting... Semenov is a very interesting case for me because he's got a lot of that... Um, I want to be careful when I use names like this because this is something... And I want to be very clear on this because it's a question of... Sometimes you'll you'll bring up a, one player and someone will be like, oh, you're equating him to him. So... I am. I want to be clear. I am not equating Matthew Semenov to to Jason Robertson. I am not. That is not. That is not the case that I'm making. But I. But Semenov has the has the big has the same category of question mark that Jason Robertson had to get over. Jason Robertson. The reason everyone saw Jason Robertson fall to the reason Jason Robertson fell to a second round pick was because. His everyone said, "Well, will he be able to skate at an NHL level? Will he be able to do that?" And obviously, we've seen what Jason Robertson does. And Semenov is a player who is in that same category. Where you look at all of the other tools, um, I went back and I pulled up uh, the our EP, uh, the Elite Prospects uh, Draft Guide from Semenov's draft year from from last year, and messaged some of the people I've seen, I know who have kind of watched him more lately and. It's really the biggest question is going to be the skating. Um, it's 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 such a huge slider for Semenov at the NHL level. He is going to be he's got he's got a good shot. He's he's got a really good he's he's a good passer. He's got really good puck handling. He's got really good physical tools, but just the the skating is the skating is a big concern. He doesn't really. That he, he's neither fast nor has a like great stride. And I'm not trying to rip all on, on him because obviously we've seen some ugly skaters have some great NHL careers. Jason Robertson is not a great skater. Obviously he's a great player. Um, Jamie Benton isn't the prettiest skater either. So it's, it's going to be, that's going to be the challenge for Seminoff. He's having a great year with Cam loops. He's got, what is it? He's got 82 points in 62 in 62 games. I it's it's definitely going to be very interesting to see kind of the thing that I've heard with Semenov is does he go from is he a his how he figures out the skating will be the basically the decision between is he a middle six guy in the NHL or is he an AHLer and it's kind of it's kind of that's kind of going to be the interesting thing with him how is his skating how is that going to progress will it hold him back some guys get over it. Some guys don't. It's uh, it's just, it's it's a very interesting case of someone who, and, and I know it's this. Um, actually, we have a great example for it. We have a great example of of this within the Stars organization in their history. Um, Travis Morin 
Mm. Number 23, number 23 is retired down in Texas. Yeah. All time. Great. Uh, AHL hall of famer. Why did Travis Morin only play nine games in the NHL? He was a really bad skater. Like he was, he was one of the greatest passers we've ever seen. His numbers were, he was an AHL great. The difference between Travis Morin and the NHL was his skating. And that was the difference. And this is the challenge that Matthew Seminoff will have coming up into his career. He will be, he will have a long pro career. He's that type of guy where with his tools and his skills, he will have a long pro career. I'm pretty confident in that. The question is, is he the AHL guy who's a lifer in the AHL or is he the guy that breaks through? I don't, it's, it's by his draft position. He was uh, by his draft position. I mean, he's going to be, he was a sixth rounder for that reason. I, uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with him because I like his game a lot, but then you watch him skate and you just, and then you watch NHLers skate and you start to say, there's so much of a gap here, but it's, I've not, uh, I I'll be, I'll be the first to admit, I thought Jason Robertson skating was going to hold him back way too much. I'll be the first person to say I was wrong on Jason Robertson's game and look what happened with Jason Robertson. So this is the challenge for Seminoff. How does he, will he be able to skate his way into the NHL? Because he has the other tools. It's, it's that other, it's the other part there that it's, it's, it's that part, which is, um, I I do love those lower round picks that have some of those early liabilities, but overcome them with just that knack to put the puck in the net. I would probably add Joe Pavelski to that list. Yeah. And and Joe Pavelski was also a, like the thing about Joe Pavelski is Joe Pavelski was a little, was a different player from, from the jump as far as he was more of the, um, Joe Pavelski is more of he's a very smart player, but Joe Pavelski kind of came in as more of that half court set guy. He was that was kind of what was expected with him. And then the other thing about Pavelski that's just just interesting too is the game was a bit slower than too, right? Like when Joe Pavelski yeah. came into the game, it was still a spot when um we talked about young talented players jumping into the league right now. How fast you had to be and how good of a skater you had to be wasn't the bar wasn't as high where Joe Pavelski wasn't that far behind compared to where the game was. And so that's, that's something with that Seminoff is just an era when guys skate so well. Now, I, I, I mean, I really like so much of his game. Actually, I went and watched some video of him this morning. He, he really, he reads position. He reads the game. Well, he's going to, he's, he's very good positionally. The skating doesn't hold him back from being in the right spots at the WHL, but there are others little things where you watch him and you watch uh, Logan Stankoven in the same game. And you're like, you can see why one of them is a sure bet potential top six NHL player next year. And why one is, I don't know if he'll make it out of the AHL and it comes down right to watching that first stride with him. So, so the stars earlier this month signed 20 year old Chase Weecroft, who played in the W mm-hmm. plays in the WHL to a three year entry level contract. Explain the process how a guy like that who's amassing such points is available to sign. Well, so Chase Weecroft, let me make sure I have the, the right number here. Like he is in his draft year, he I mean he's someone who he just, he took a major jump in his game. Like, so he's 20 years old. 
and he's got 107 points in 68 games this year. Two years, you talk about late, late, late bloomer in his draft year, which would have been uh, 2021. He only had 15 points in 23 games. Now, it was very weird year. He had, I mean, his last, the year before that, he had 29 points in 59 games. Um, And, but like, he's one of those prospects who he was a late, Late bloomer combined with COVID seasons, making it hard to judge. He's someone who, if not for COVID, maybe he's drafted. Maybe he's drafted. Maybe he has a larger sample size in his draft year. Uh, and but even the jump last year, going from a from with Lethbridge then to to Winnipeg to he had thirty eight points and fifty five uh, thirty eight points in fifty five games to jump from thirty eight points in fifty five games to one hundred seven points in sixty eight games is a remarkable jump. Um, he's a good flyer, like that. Let's put it this way: he's a he's a good flyer to take. He's dynamic on the power play. Um, he is. He is a. Uh, he has the. He he is impact. He he's a must watch player in the WHL right now, and like very the skill is great. He's good in transition. Um, I don't know if he's gonna like the question on him is, and I'm, I need to look up his the name on this right now. Who was the uh, who was the guy the, o- the Stars signed out of the OHL a couple years ago, and who was a very similar player? Um, hold on. Using the internet right now while we're talking. Well, well um, I, I asked this question because yeah. I kind of like while you look that up, I've always wondered yeah. like, is it a pool of money play where other teams like, you know, how do the stars come into a player like this and how much competition is there from other clubs to sign guys like this? Yeah. So money doesn't come into play because the NHL is the one sport we have not the only sport and I'm sure there's, but in the only North American sport where a rookie deal is a rookie deal, right? There's only, um, there's only slight modifications you can even make to a rookie deal. So it's not a money thing. Um, it really comes down to opportunity and convincing the player why, um, same thing goes with these college free agents, convincing the player why you, have the best chance for them to turn into an NHL player. It all comes down to human relationships. It's not really a financial thing, basically. Okay. Um, okay. It's especially with the entry level contract system. It's, it, it really comes down to, can you sell the player on your vision for that player? And every team is frankly interested in adding these type of guys for every, every team is interested in adding these type of players because they're, there's scratch off tickets. Um, they don't, they rarely pan out, but you sign them, you get excited about them, and then you see what happens. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes they become the, now he wasn't a junior player, but he was a college player. Sometimes they become Gavin Bayreuther, where, yeah. the, where the stars signed Gavin Bayreuther out of St. Lawrence, and they uh, ended up, and he was a college free agent who ended up playing whatever the number of games was with Dallas, yeah, but real good shot. Built, filled a role when he needed it. Yeah. Other times they became, and I looked it up Ty Fellhaber who 
2000 Ty Fellhaber during the 2018-19 season had 109 points for the Ottawa 67s in 68 games. And Dallas signed him to an entry-level deal. And he just never just he wasn't a he wasn't a good AHLer. I mean, in Texas, he had eight points in 41 games, eight points in 31 games, two points in 14 games, and then he got traded away during the 21-22 season. Like so sometimes, so sometimes these these signings that's like we like it's it's kind of the thing where it's like it's like the mystery box type deal right where it's like oh what's in the mystery box and any because it's the world of excitement and you think of like oh this could be this this thing or whatever but like so often the reason so so often these 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 signings rarely pan out to anything beyond a good ahl players if that yeah and that's and so like with wheatcroft for example to me, I look at him as a guy who will have a chance and it's a free, it's a free prospect you added to your pool and not free, you're paying money for it, but it's someone you didn't have to spend a draft pick on. And I, I think NHL teams should do their best to always have, because uh, you get 50, you get 50 pro contracts, right, Gavin? So you get 50 pro contracts. Yep. You should always... The ideal number is probably 47 to 48 contracts because you want to ha- leave that flexibility where like you wouldn't like the stars, the stars have, say, say you have 50 contracts signed, right? Or whatever. And then all of a sudden you're going to the deadline and you want to add a guy and, but you're at the 50 max and you have to do contract in contract out. It adds other elements of difficulty. But that's why for me, from, I think from a roster perspective, in a management perspective, you should always have 47 to 48 contracts signed. So you okay. always have one or two wiggle room at deadline time. So when you have space like the stars do, and you can add a guy like Wheatcroft, do it. Okay. Bring him in, see what happens, see what happens. And if it doesn't pan out, you didn't spend a pick on him and, and you, you didn't see, you, you didn't spend a draft pick on him. It's, it's, it's all about all of these, like this prospect stuff is, it's all about compiling, honestly. It's all about compiling and each time you're buying lottery tickets, basically. I mean, it's part of the the reason the why are these teams who these teams who sold at the deadline and and the story of the day was you need we want we want picks and everything like that. And Arizona and Detroit and, and, and all these teams just started adding picks at the deadline. It all comes down to you're trying to buy as many scratch off tickets as possible. So maybe one of those is that golden ticket that's going to turn into something else. A lot of the times they turn into nothing more than a AHL player. And even if they turn to an NHL player, they're a depth player, but it's just trying to find and, and hope you find that guy who comes through. Um, and I used to be, I used to be someone who was overly I would overly look at AHL success and think it meant NHL success. Um that's someone I, and I admit I've I've become a little bit more of an old curmudgeon on prospects. I used to be the person who was like, "Oh my god, this guy's great. He's going to be in the NHL." And then I covered the 2014 Texas Stars team that won a championship. From that team, 
how many guys from the 2014 Texas Stars went on to have impactful NHL careers with the Dallas Stars? Ooh. Radic Foxa, mm-hmm. Jamie Alex, Jamie Alexiak. That's it. Wow. Like, I mean, so that's 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 the fact of the matter is the the minor league success, junior hockey success, it's great and as excited as you want to get and everything like that. And that's why sometimes I feel like it can be it can be hard for someone to it can be hard to get excited for a rebuild sometimes because um there's so much for all of the it could be this it could be this guy oh my god type moments 99% of the time it's it's a, he's a good AHL player he's yeah. a good ECHL player and i i so i like i look at Wheatcroft and i look at uh and i look at uh and I and I look at Seminoff and I look at both of them and I see the reasons they can have a chance. Seminoff, I see the talent. I see the way he takes his routes on the four check. I see the way he does the little things for that Kamloops team. And and I see and I see what he does and I see the reasons he could have a chance. I also see the skating and I see the fact that he gets to play with a guy like Stig Coven. And when you're playing with a, when you're playing with a player who's going to be a top six NHL player in a couple of years, it's, it's as in junior hockey, it's easy to start putting up those points. So like, I see the reasons that Seminoff could, that, that Seminoff could pan out. I also see not, not even the red flags, just the things that you, you look at. Like it's like, for example, to give you an idea, an extreme example of how junior hockey stats can be kind of interesting and everything like that, the 2014-15 uh, Erie Otters, Connor McDavid, the team Connor McDavid played junior hockey for, McDavid had 120 points in 47 games for Erie that year. It's absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. There's a right wing on that team uh, named Nick Betts, who had... That year in Erie had 54 points in 60 games. Was was it was a was a was almost a point per game player. Nick Betts, after his junior career ended, played 24 plus 18, so uh, 42 ECHL games, and that was the end of his career. Like wow. nothing, nothing against Nick Betts, yeah. but just to show, like, just my point being is junior hockey, junior hockey stats and start him down there is it's a it's a whole yeah it's a, it's an interesting it's an interesting thing to try to to figure out and it, it is so i, I would also I, so add like, that I, the, I, yeah. I, I would also add that the ice is more wide open i mean the one thing i agree with you about the ahl but the one thing i do like about the ahl the physicality is ramped up and similar to playoff hockey i feel as though the ice shrinks when you jump from junior to the a the I, the with with the AHL too, it's also there's also different games, and I'm, I'm, I'm I wasn't planning to go down this path, but this has been fresh in my yeah, mind. Yeah, this is like I wrote, a I wrote, this is a June yeah, conversation. I'm impressed. Yeah, yeah, but like this is I wrote I wrote about this earlier this week over in uh, in Chap Shots where there's different the AHL game is different than the NHL game. The NHL game AHL game is different from the ECHL game. Junior hockey is different from the pro game, and there's these things that are just to get to the NHL, 
it's all hockey, but it's very different. Like if you want to really nerd out about something, if you, if, if you, if anyone listening is wants to kind of nerd out about something, um, next week when, and I, I love college hockey and I want to be clear, I'm not ripping on college hockey in this because I love college hockey. And, but next Thursday or this coming th- next Thursday, April 6th, watch the, watch the frozen four games on Thursday night and then, or, or, or DVR them or, or whatever, right? Like watch, watch the frozen four next Thursday. Just watch those, watch those games back to back, just sit there and watch them. And then the next night when let's make sure I have my, make sure I have the uh, schedule right in front of me here on the, when, so, you know, DVR the frozen four games, watch the stars game against Philly on Thursday night, next Friday, put on the next Friday, put the deep, put the frozen four games on, on your DVR and watch those games and just look at the difference between how the game is played. Look at how, how much college hockey is a grind it down, dump and chase systematically avoid mistakes game. The ECHL is a game where the ECHL is a game where it just feels like survival a lot of the time because rosters are so thin and there's a ton of breakdowns and the ECHL is a, is a league where teams are trying to force other teams into mistakes where college hockey, by example, is more of trying to limit your own mistakes and wait for the other guys to make a mistake. The AHL is kind of, as it gets closer to the NHL is, is the AHL is sort of like the NHL but the AHL is a game where you're missing the you're missing the top end you're missing the top end talent that really makes some systems required um perfect and i wrote about this this week perfect example is the Dallas Stars and the Texas Stars and this can be really nerdy people so i apologize if you if if, if this is too nerdy but the the neutral zone forecheck the Dallas Stars run a one-two-two neutral zone forecheck, um, as opposed to when they were under uh, Rick Bonus, they ran more of a snowplow-looking one-one-two that morphed into a one-one-three. Once again, lots of numbers. Um, but the Dallas Stars neutral zone forecheck is a one-two-two with where it's more narrow, where the first forward is pressuring, and then the second, the second and third forward are kind of taking away the middle of the ice. The Texas Stars also run a neutral zone forecheck that's a one-two-two, but it's wider, where the two, the second and third forwards are wider, basically anticipating the player that's been anticipating the play to the boards, trying to kill the play on the boards, which is a great concept for the AHL. In the NHL, you're playing against guys like Sidney Crosby. You're playing against um this week when the stars play against Clayton Keller. This week, you're playing against you'll be, when you're playing against the Kale McCarr on Saturday. If you have a wide spacing like that, the best players in the world will see that you left the middle of the ice wide open and just cut right back there in the second. That's one of the biggest differences between the NHL and the AHL right there. The space where AHL guys see one route and they can have success with that one route, but when you take that route away, they may not be able to have success. NHL players 
and the, the greatest of the greats continue to go up, up, and up, up, and up, up. I can only imagine what the map looks like in front of a Connor McDavid in his brain or an Austin Matthews in front of his brain. The routes just open up, and they just continue to see, like, okay, you took that away, but you didn't take away options B through Q. And that's and that's the that's the biggest difference. And so it's 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 going to be with these prospects, and you have, and it's it's the challenge everyone's going to go through. It's can you continue to be and take that space, take your game to the next level, and add those options. And it, it brings us to and and I'll bring us back to the current Dallas Stars here. I know I've gone off on a, on a tangent. It just if you want to be impressed with someone, if you want a perfect example of elite talent and an elite hockey IQ and vision, and he's going to have a very long NHL career. Look at what Wyatt Johnson has done this season. Look at what he's done going from playing in Windsor, playing in the OHL to being ready to do this in the NHL this season and being able to just do everything the right way in all three zones, being able to see the routes, being able to do that. It's, it's just, we talk about this prospect stuff and I talk about 20 year olds. I don't know. I see this red flag. I can see the reasons he could have success, but I see the reasons he won't. And then we go to a 19 year old who is having this success. It's just why yeah. Johnston's season is getting, is getting overlooked by the hockey populace because a Maddie Beneers is going to run away with the Calder. And I'm not saying Maddie Beneers shouldn't win the Calder, but it's, it's, it's because of what Maddie Beneers is doing. There's a national, there's a natural like conversation that is forgetting Wyatt Johnston yeah. and how good he's been this year. No, I agree. But talking to Joe O'Donnell, the voice of the wild earlier this week, he specifically, when I was asking him about the stars, he was talking about Johnston versus Matty Beneers and that Johnston should get more recognition. So it is good to see. Um, and I think you're right. And I love Wyatt Johnston's spacing and I love, you know, his, and thank you, by the way, for that deep dive. Never nerdy on this podcast because one of the things we're trying to do is teach people. And we'll get more into the WHL, the OHL, how things happen. Sometimes I want to simplify it as far as I'll ask you. I, the one thing I love about having Sean on this podcast is I'll ask questions and you just heard a complete breakdown that you're not going to find anywhere else. So two quick things before we go. Uh, one, uh, shout out to the stars who are hosting the USA Hockey Girls Tier 1 Nationals. Uh, started in Dallas yesterday, so always great to see um, hockey growing and a lot of USA National um, lower tier events are happening now in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and that's awesome to see. Another thing, we're about to join and begin the playoffs in April, but March was a record-setting year for Spits and Suds. I can't tell you how encouraging it is to receive the numbers that we're receiving. Um, the fact that you guys are listening, it's awesome. Uh, in the early days of Spits and Suds, I fully admit there were times where I'm like, is this worth it to do it? Are Stars fans engaged enough? Well, we're getting that answer, and I think it's because of great people like Sean and Craig who are doing this, uh, and it just motivates I know it motivates me to do more and I appreciate it. And my goal is to make this, you know, a truly uh, enjoyable hockey listen for you, the stars fan. So you can get excited. So you can ramp up toward the game and say, boy, I never knew that. But, you know, Sean pointed this out in the broadcast. And uh, that's what's so great about having a guy like Sean on the podcast. That's what's great about having Luds from a player perspective, now coach perspective. So my friend, have a good weekend. I'm really hoping for four points. 
we got to slow the Minnesota Wild down, but you know what? It is what it is. We'll talk on Monday. We're going to have a whole weekend recap of everything that's happened. Uh, hopefully Clayton Keller doesn't go off uh, tonight. Hopefully we can reel in the abs tomorrow night. My friend, thank you as always. That's the part where you say, thanks, Gavin. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great exit. Oh, well. <laughs> That's the awkward dismount. But yeah. I will say, I will say, unlike Craig Ludwig, I can throw out random players and I do. I am not made fun of. I threw out Doug Waite yesterday, Sean, and he teed <laughs> off on me. So every time I throw out a player, he's like, Doug, wait, what does that have to do with the conversation? So, oh. well, it's, uh, no, it's, it's all, we always have fun here. Yeah, it's we been, do. It's been good. It's been good to people get to see the unfettered side of the, uh, of, of my brain sometimes going through love processes, which is why, uh, but you're getting the unedited side of my brain sometimes. Cause as, <laughs> as a writer, uh, I'm so used to figuring it out before it goes on paper. So sometimes I, uh, I ramble a bit, but it's been, it's been fun to uh, share that Great. and go through that. And this has been a fun project and uh, yeah, it's looking forward to kind of continuing this, these conversations. Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's been fun and it's been, it's been great. So if you like this program and you're hearing about this growth, keep continue spreading the word folks. It's happening. It's working. We'd love to get your feedback as well. Hit us up on Twitter. We'll uh, ask you and answer your questions on air. So that's going to do it for Spits and Suds. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful weekend. Go Stars, everyone, and we'll talk to you on Monday.